This is LEC Online Church. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Open your Bibles to the book of Psalms chapter 8. For our reading this morning, we're continuing our growth series. And when you came in this morning, they're on the seat where you were sitting. Or as you came in, one of the ushers gave you... Uh, one of the handouts. We're doing this throughout this entire series. So you not only have today, but you have last Sunday in case you missed it. And we'll just kind of compile these as we go along. It'll be fairly thick by the time we get to the end. Uh, And we hope that you're taking these home and you have an opportunity to work through them. Uh, Because we are trying to understand the foundations of our faith. Trying to understand how much do we know about what we believe. We even last week had a question that we, that we asked that said, would, would you be comfortable? Could you in fact explain salvation or faith or sin to someone that didn't know anything about it? Would you be able to explain that in a way that they could um, understand it? We've been inviting questions and One's come in even already this, during this service and several came in this week and, and I've been interacting with those individuals to help you understand and get your questions a- answered because we want to we know what it is that we believe. We don't want to just come to church and believe something or say that we believe it but don't know how to explain it. Don't know what it means. Don't know what's going on. And so these messages, while they're basic in their expressions, they are very deep in their value. Last week we talked about God. Who is God? What is God? And how does that make the difference? And so I want to begin this morning with saying this to every one of you and every one of you that are watching. Everybody that's going to hear the podcast in the weeks to come. Everything in your life begins with how you feel about God. How you, what your faith is about God, what you believe about Him, whether you believe that He exists or not, everything in your life flows out of that. Because if you believe that God exists, then you're going to be guided by a different set of principles than somebody who does not believe that God exists. Kelly and I were watching a television program last night and we, we both remarked about the depiction of the evil that was in the character that we were watching. And yet that's a real life kind of thing in the world. And we ask ourselves, how could somebody do that? How could somebody go into a Walmart with an AK-47 or 15 or whatever they call them and, and shoot everybody up? How? How could somebody take their car and just run over people on the sidewalk? Because there's an evil inside of them that finds its rootage in what they believe about God. Whether they believe God is real or not. So I want to read to you. You'll stand with me please for the reading of God's Word. If you have a Bible or a device, not, it'll be on the screen for you. Let's begin with verse 1. There's just nine verses here. The psalmist says, O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. 
Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all that oppose you. When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for? Yet you made them, talking about human beings, you made them only a little lower than God. Crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. Did you know that? Isaiah, did you know that God put everything in the world under your authority? Now, don't overdo that because you're still subjected to your father. But the world is under your authority. The flocks, herds, and all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the fish, fish in the sea, everything that swims in the ocean currents. What he's saying is that God has given you the dominion over all of that. Then verse 9 concludes by saying, O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Let's pray. Father, I ask you this morning to give me the strength and the ability to convey what you've put in my heart to say today. I know, Lord, that people here in this room for the most part love you with their whole heart. And I just pray right now, Lord, for the kind of openness in our spirits that allows us to learn something about you that we did not know. Somebody in this room today needs you. Somebody watching online right now is desperately in need of you revealing yourself to them. So Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your will is done in this room today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated. Of all the things that God created in the world, and He created the mountains and the rivers and the trees. Nothing compares to his creation of human beings. His creation of us, you and I, is far above every other thing. Not long ago, a few days ago, a new telescope was unleashed in, from NASA and it's been fascinating to me to watch as they've been able to go further than they've ever been able to go to see the galaxies. God made all of that. God spoke all of that into existence. Every star, every comet, every Milky Way, every planet, God created that. And yet when God decided to do more, He created a man and a woman. And in the creation of man, he went further than he had ever gone before. It is his most notable achievement. Let's, let's listen to what the Bible says about this achievement. First in Genesis 2 and verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and man became a living person. So God formed our bodies from the dust of the earth and then He breathed into that body and it became alive. He not only created you, but He gives you life. The fact that you're alive is an act of God's creation. 
Let's go further. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought him to the man. It, when, you, when you just think about what we just read, it's so powerful that God from His just very basic elements of life formed man from the dust of the earth, took a rib out of man's side, formed a woman to be a companion for him. It was God's greatest achievement. He created you and I we are God's greatest achievement. In fact, the writer said, we'll, we'll get back to it at the end. He said, we are God's masterpiece. Leonardo da Vinci, all the, the great sculptors, all the great painters, they, they had masterpieces, but none of them are equal to the masterpiece of you. You're a masterpiece because God created you and made you. Now, there's been a lot of things that are going around in the news in the last several years about identity and gender and people claiming to be confused. And it's easy, I suppose, to be confused if you don't believe in who God is. Because if you believe in who God is and you believe in God's Word, there's no confusion, is there? God made a man, God made a woman. And that's who we are. We are God's creation. You see, the problem is, is that we are not believing in God and we're not believing in His Word. Let me just say this as straightforwardly as, as I can say it. You and I don't look for the answers to life in social media. I'll give you a second. I'm not looking for social media to develop my theology. In fact, I would tell you that you're getting confused because you're on social media too much. Jesus said this, man shall not live by bread alone. He could have said, man shall not live by social media. He will live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Father. With no no hatred or animus toward any person. I'm saying with love and humility that you don't get confused if you just stay in the book. If you just stay with what God said. See, we don't get the answers to life's questions from the politicians and the agendas of Washington, D.C. And young people, listen very carefully. Pastor loves you. You don't get your answers to life from YouTube. Influencers who use media to influence our children. Parents, be alert, be aware. There are those who are using social media to try to indoctrinate our own children against the things of God's Word. We live by what the Bible says. And it's so important. Why is it important? I've wrestled a bit but I've come to this conviction, and I'm going to do this. 
I want to read to you from the book of Romans chapter 1. It's going to be on the screen, but I'd love if you have your Bible to turn so you can read it yourself and mark it because there's some things I'm going to show you. It'll take me a minute to get through this, but listen to what I'm saying. Here's what it says, verse 18 in Romans 1. What you're watching in America and around the world right now was predicted in Romans chapter 1. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Verse 19, I, I underline this sentence. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything that God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yet they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became fools. Now, who's he talking about? People who do not acknowledge that God exists. That's what he's describing here. These people knew God existed, but they refused to believe it and refused to worship Him. And he said they thought they were smart, but they instead became fools. Instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. Verse 24, this is the first of three statements like this. God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. What does that mean? It means God said, okay, do whatever you want. Go wherever you want, be whatever you want. You, you don't want to, my, me to be in your life, so I'm cutting you loose. As a result of what? Of God abandoning them, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the Creator Himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Verse 26, here it is again. This is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned in their lust for one another. Men did shameful things with other men and as a result of this sin... They suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Verse 28. Since they thought it foolish. Think about this now. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God. He what? He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do the things that should never be done. Now he's going to describe them. He said their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. Sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, meaning arrogant, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. Are you listening, students? 
Why? Because they refuse to acknowledge God. That's why they're disobedient. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, and yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, he says, they encourage others to do them as well. See, that, that sounds like you're reading the newspaper today. And that's what Paul said 2,000 years ago. That people would refuse to acknowledge God and in doing so, God would simply say, go on. Just do whatever you want to do. And that's why they do the things that they do. Things that we're wrestling with. Things that we're involved with. When we talk about this, we're talking about a world that has lost its connection to God. Here's the good news. God has never quit wanting you to come home. You say, wow, that really sounds horrible. It is horrible. It's horrible to read. It's horrible to admit. But Calvary's cross is God's appeal to you to stop living your own way and start living God's way. Simply forsaking God, the Bible says. An inability or refusal of man to acknowledge God. And when left to our own, each of us loses our divine connection. Listen, it's through God that we find out who we are. We don't, we don't find out who we are through the things of this world. And here's the thing that I want to drive home this morning is that we carry the very image of God as His creation. Now I, I realize that this is not popular. And in the years to come, I'm sure that this kind of preaching will subject us to persecution and ridicule. But here is the time this is the time for us to know our God and to know without any doubt who we are and to be living witnesses of God's love. Now listen, this is not a message about judgment. If you're struggling, I'm not here to condemn you. That's not what I'm doing. It is simply the truth spoken in love drawing us back to the Lord who loves us because we are living witnesses of the love of God in a world that has lost its way. So for just a moment, just a moment, I want to remind you of three things about who you are. And then we'll pray. Here's the first one. God created you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God made me. See, I may not be a whole lot to you, but I am, the Bible said, I'm the apple of his eye. And God is nuts about me. He is. And you. God's crazy about you. He formed you and created you after his own image. He created you. He made you his own. Your origin, every person in this room, your origin is divinely initiated. God was the one that started the process. Hear me, hear me. You did not originate from an amoeba 
or a protoplasm. You don't have any family members that are former baboons or gorillas. God made you. He created you. We talked a little bit about this last week. He created you in three parts, didn't he? He created your body, which is the tabernacle. That's, that's my hair, my face, my skin, my legs, my bones. That's my body. God made my body. It is the tabernacle or the house in which my soul and my spirit live. And when I take my last, as long as I'm breathing, this body works. But when this body doesn't work and I quit breathing, then this body disintegrates. It goes back to the ground. And I become dust again. God made me a body. God made me a, a spirit. Or God made me a soul. That's an eternal creation of God that is uniquely you. Jane Erickson, your soul is not like Steve's. Our souls are uniquely our own. God put a soul in us. There's no other soul on this planet has ever been or ever will be like yours. It is uniquely you. It's the part of you. I can't see it, but it's you. It's who Dustin Vorse is, the soul that God put in him. I see his body, but that's not who he is. Who he is is the soul, that individual that God created him to be. And that soul lives forever. It's what Jesus meant when he said, Whosoever believeth on him shall never perish. He's talking about his soul. His soul will never die. And then God made you spirit. God gave you spirit. He breathed into you, the Bible said, the breath of life. The, the way that I like to remember is when my two sons were born, you know, when they, when they, that first moment when they were born, they came into the world and they took that first gulp of air and you heard that scream, that cry that went out. It was the spirit of life that they had. And they were alive. And they have, you have that until your time is done. And then when you die, your spirit goes back to God. You may hear somebody say, you know, the angels of the Lord came and, well, I don't know. I don't know. There was a parable Jesus told that some people use a lot of times is that analogy, but I don't know how your spirit gets back to heaven, but he goes back to heaven. Your spirit returns to God. He gave it. He's the giver of life, and it goes back to him. Your soul goes wherever you have chosen. If you're going to serve God, your soul's going to go to heaven. If you've not chosen God, your soul's going to go to hell. You're never going to die. It's always going to be there, either in heaven or in hell, and your body's going back to the ground. You, God created you. You are uniquely created by God. You are not an accident. I'll give you a minute. Because some of your parents told you you were an accident. They were wrong. They may not have been expecting you, but you were no accident. Because in that moment of human nature, God determined that you were going to live. And God allowed your mother to carry you in her body and when you came out you had life and you're alive and you're not an accident. You are a created human being loved by God, created by God and destined for God. God created you. Here's the second thing. God created you like Himself. 
Turn to your neighbor, look them in the eye and say, you remind me of God. Now, when was the last time somebody told you that? Sarah, when you look at Kurt, you're looking at God. I know that's shocking, but it is. Let's read it from the Word of God. In Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, when God created human beings, He made them to be like Himself. He created them like Himself. He created them male and female. He blessed them and called them human. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 Then God said let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So what does it mean when we say that we are created in God's image and likeness? What does that mean? See the image of God, Agnes Deo, that's the, the Greek for it. I think that right, Dustin, you're the Greek scholar. Agnes Deo. The image of God. It's imprinted on you. It's imprinted on you. You can't wipe it off. You can't clean it off. You've got it. The image of God is imprinted on your life. On the moment you came into this world, you were created in the image of God so that you become God's representative on the earth. You're His. You don't belong to the devil. You don't belong to evil. You don't belong to demon spirits. You may be possessed by demon spirits, but you've always and you will always belong to God. You may walk away from God. You may spend eternity in hell, but you will do so because, because you chose to do that. God created you, put the image of God on you. You are the walking representation of God on the earth. And that's what sets you apart from your puppy. Your puppy does not have the image of God. Now, they may be God in your house, but they don't have the image of God. What sets the human being apart from animals is this image of God. So let's understand what that means. What does it mean? Three things that I think it means that you can grab a hold of. The first thing is, is that mentally... Human beings are created with the ability to reason and choose. You chose the outfit you're wearing today. That's because you're created in the image of God. You are distinctive in the fact that you have the ability to reason and to make choices over all the other created beings on the earth. A giraffe doesn't choose its outfit. It doesn't have the ability to reason. Now, I know Shelly's going to get on to me about this later because she thinks dogs are superhuman and they have all kinds of innate things. But let's just say this. Human beings have an ability to reason and choose unlike any other created being on the earth. When you read a book, when you name your pet, you are exercising the image of God in the fact that you are able to reason and to choose. When you decide where to eat lunch today, that's because the image of God, because you are created in the image of God and you have the ability mentally, you were created with the ability to choose and reason. Secondly, morally, you were created 
in righteousness. You were created in a perfect innocence. A reflection of God's holiness. So when you were born, you may have been born to two parents that did not love God and were outright atheist agnostic. But when you were born, you were born in an innocence. Think about a bubble. It's the way I always thought about my children, that for as long as I could keep them in that bubble. I wanted to protect them from the evil of the world because they were born in an innocence. They didn't know all the things that I knew. They had not experienced the things that I had. And I wanted to try to protect that bubble as long as I could. And it was the saddest day in my life, one of the saddest days in my life when as a parent I realized that the bubble had been burst. Now, you're not born without sin because all people born in the world are sinners because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden you were born a sinner nobody teaches you how to lie nobody teaches you how to cheat you were born with an ability to sin you will run to sin if you don't allow the blood of Jesus Christ to sanctify you holy you will run straight to sin. The moment that you take your eyes off of Jesus, the moment that you don't engage with Him, you start running towards sin. You watch what I'm telling you. When Jason, my little son, was two, I'm watching uh, TV and I hear this crash in the kitchen. And I jump up and I run into the kitchen and there standing up on the counter is my son. The cookie jar has come off of the refrigerator and crashed to the floor, busted all over the place. He's holding at least two cookies in his hand and he's got chocolate chips on his lips. And I said, Jason, did you climb up to get those cookies? He went, no, sir. I did not. Now, who taught that kid to lie? Nobody taught him to lie. It's in him. It's in him. You're born in an innocence and God's holiness. God saw that when he made you, he said about the creation of all that he created in Genesis 1.31, that it was all good. And God gave you a conscience, a moral compass that allows you to understand and know what is right and what is wrong. There are some things your mama didn't have to tell you were wrong. You knew it the moment that you did it. It's why you ran. It's why you lied. It's why you blamed your sister. Because you knew it was wrong. This conscious that, conscious, uh, conscious that God gives us guides us and helps us to walk in the way that God created us to live. So when you resist a temptation, you're tempted to do something wrong. And when you resist that, you are exercising the image of God. That reasoning and choosing and moral compass. When you feel guilty about something you did, when you're able to recognize good and bad, these things confirm to us that we were created in the image of God. And then thirdly, socially, man was created for fellowship. More, mentally, morally, socially, we carry the image of God. And this, re, 
reflects God's nature and His love for us. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week, so I won't linger here. But in the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam and Eve, He came down and walked with them in the garden because God's nature is to fellowship or to relate to His creation. And that's what He wants with you. He wants a relationship with you in order that He can relate to His creation. It's why He made woman. The Bible said in Genesis 2 and 18, He said it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to create him a helper or a partner in life. So when you got married, you are demonstrating the image of God on your life. When you become a friend to somebody else, or you have a friendship with someone else, you're demonstrating that you are created in the image of God. When you got up and came to church this morning, that was a demonstration and a confirmation of the image of God on your life because you chose to associate and relate to other people. Mentally, morally, and socially, we have evidence that we in fact are created in the image of God and we are His representatives in a created world. To the animals, to all the things that take place, we are God's greatest creation. And we are the only creation that carries the image of God. Here's third and finally. Jerome, if you'll get ready to play. God created us for a purpose. Look at Genesis 1, 26. It'll be on the screen. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals will scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them male and female. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Rule, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry on the ground. What do the phrases, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it and reign over it? What does all that mean? Well, there is contained within that assignment some reproduction of human life. It's obvious. But there's also this understanding that God wants us to spiritually reproduce. Meaning that our lives are to reflect and fill the earth with the God qualities that God desires from His creation. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Galatians 5.22. So let me just sum this up by giving you these things that I think God wants you to understand about your purpose. We'll be saying more about this in the weeks to come, but here's what I want you to know. First of all, that in creating you the way that He did, God gave you authority over the devil. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. You are not under subjection to the devil. You have authority over the devil. Jesus said this, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Now, there's no ambiguity there. You have power over all the power of the enemy. Whatever power the devil has as a believer, you have more power than the devil. And God created you to have authority over the earth. And over all that is in the earth, including the devil. You have that authority. 
So what does that mean to have authority? Well, it means that as God's representative, we have the authority to put away the work of Satan on the earth. And we can do that. We have, we have lived, some of us have lived a lie and a misunderstanding about authority. We think God's up here, or we think God's here, and we think the devil's right here. No, he's not. God's up here, devil's way down here, and we're here. We have authority over the devil. Amen. That's why we sing songs like, he's under my feet. Because we have authority over the enemy. We have authority over the devil. And we need to do that. We need to take that authority and put to flight the tools of the enemy like poverty. You know the church has the authority to put the devil out of the poverty business? I'll give you a minute. We've allowed the devil to make us poor because our Father owns everything in the earth. And we don't live in the blessings of God because we've allowed the devil to fe put fear in our mind that we can't, we can't do the work of the Lord. We don't have enough money. We have a mentality that we're poor instead of understanding that our Father owns everything. Some of you know this because I've said this to you when you've expressed concern. Our Father owns all the money. Amen. Amen. Our Father owns all the money. When we started talking about coming over here to this building, somebody said, I don't think we're going to have enough money. I said, why not? If God's in it, the money comes. If the money doesn't come, then we know that God's not in it. One Sunday morning, a man walked up to me, handed me an envelope. said, uh, just obeying the Lord. It's what the Lord told me to do. I opened up that envelope. When I saw what that check was for, I called one of those people together. And I said, listen, I'm just telling you. This is what I mean. God owns all the money. He owns all the money. Miracles happen because people understand that we are not under the authority of the devil. We are under an open heaven. Preach it. Yes. And if we will exercise and yes. live like the people of God and understand that we belong to the Heavenly Father, we don't have to be afraid of what the devil's doing. Right. Oh, pastor, you know, I tell you, the interest rates are going up and inflation's high. I don't care. I don't like paying $4 for a dozen eggs, but I'm just telling you, if the eggs go to $12 a dozen, my father owns everything. Yes, he does. Some way, somehow, God will supply our needs. That's what he promised in the book. We have the power and the authority to subjugate the things of the devil. Poverty, oppression, ignorance, lack of faith. And God expects us to bring the blessings of God to the earth. He expects us to be the men and women who carry faith with us. Instead of being down in the dumps and telling people it's so bad, we ought to be telling this is exactly what God said and God's in control. And God's going to take care of us and we're going to be fine. We're going to be alright because we serve a God as we just sang this morning who is bigger. We have authority this morning church. Come on. I'm telling you we have authority to live as the people of God. God has a purpose for you to live in authority. To walk in authority. I'll say more about this later, but I've been, I've been asking God. I said this to the Lord this week. 
God, help me to step into a new level of your anointing. Help me to step into a new level of your presence. I'm telling you, we haven't even begun to tap what God wants for our church. We haven't even begun to experience the things that God wants for our church. It's time for us to stand up and be the people of God and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us because we are His creation for a holy purpose. Second of all, we are to have rule over the earth. I'm telling you, Isaiah, you're a ruler over the earth today, buddy. God made you to be a ruler over the earth. When you were created, he said, let's create man, let's give them rule over the earth. It means that we're to be intelligent stewards under God of all the things that God has given us. We are to manage the affairs of this world as his sons and his daughters. We are the ambassadors of God in the earth to do the things that God would do because He placed us here. To represent God in every aspect of our life. When the new president comes in, he appoints an ambassador to England. And that ambassador represents the United States in England. When, when our ambassador speaks... To the people of England, the leaders of England, he's not speaking for himself. He is speaking for the one who sent him. When you go out of this church this morning, you are an ambassador of God Almighty. And when you open up your mouth, you are speaking for God who sent you into this world. We have dominion, authority, and we rule over the earth. And then lastly, we are to be Stewards of God's creation. The Westminster Catechism says this, the chief aim of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God? I told you a moment ago, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, we are God's masterpiece. We are cre- he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we do g- the good things that He planned for us a long time ago. I wondered this morning as I was finishing my thoughts, will there be Will there be somebody listening to me that has asked the question, God, why was I born? I was talking with a student not too long ago and we were talking about life and there was in the word spoken that frustration about the way life The individual said to me, sometimes I wonder why I was born. And I'm just telling you, God had a plan for, for your life from the beginning. You say, well, I wish he would tell me about it. He is. He's telling you. He's telling you right now. And if you'll listen, 
to tell you the rest of the story. If you'll obey Him, if you'll trust Him, if you'll give Him your life, He'll tell you the rest of the story. And I know it can be tough sometimes because life can get very complicated. People sitting here today are wrestling with life decisions, health issues, and financial troubles, and marriage problems, and and, and all kinds of anxieties and emotional instability. But you have a purpose. The greatest joy in life is living out the purpose of God doing what God wants you to do with your life. Adeline Rezatek was on the stage with me last Sunday if you were here and as I went home and reflected on that little brief encounter with Adeline I thought about a church that could see the future and recognize that a seven year old girl will be 14 in seven years. She'll be 25 in less than two decades. Life is quick and swift. There's the only thing in life that really matters. You can can acquire the things that some of you are chasing after. You want more of this and a bigger house and a nicer car, more money. All that stuff's going to go away. The only thing in your life that's going to matter is did you fulfill the purpose of God in your life? you do what God wanted you to do? Did you represent Him? Did you, did you do what you could to make the kingdom of God advance? I want to finish this morning with something a little different. I want you to stand with me all over the room, if you would. I want to tell somebody in this room because I believe the Lord put this on my heart just before I came down here this morning. There isn't anybody in this world like you. You are a one of a kind. Maybe your life has not turned out the way you wanted it. Maybe it hasn't been what you thought it was going to be. But it does not mean that God is frustrated or quitting you. What you have to do is embrace. God, you made me for something. You let me be born for some reason. There's a purpose that I'm alive. You know, I've said before, I've I've said, I don't understand why God doesn't just take us to heaven the moment He saves us. Steve, it would make all the sense in the world for me to say, hey, if you don't know the Lord, come on down here and give your heart to the Lord, and then you're going to go to heaven. I mean, you know, you just give your heart to God, and bam, you're gone. It seems like it'd be simpler to me. I guess it wouldn't be. I don't know. But He left you here for a reason. Because there's a purpose. conclusion of my studies a couple of weeks ago I wrote I wrote these words on a piece of paper and they're on the screen I am original I am original I want you to take your hand and put it over your heart again and I want
want you to say that out loud with me. I'm going to say the first one first. I am original. Now say it because you believe it. I am original. Nobody like me. I'm original. Let's say the next one. I am intentional. I am intentional. What I mean by that is that God didn't make a mistake. God did this on purpose. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.